the CIO really needs to know how the business is operating. I had to spend time with our clinicians, with the medical team, with case managers, with the cafeteria. Different departments are doing different things for the business that are important to the business. And the CIO really needs to know all of it and pretty intimately. Technology is transforming how we think, how we lead, and how we win. From InterVision, this is Status Go, the show helping IT leaders move beyond the status quo, master their craft, and propel their IT vision. Welcome to Status Go. I'm your host, Jeff Tun. Two years ago, we ran a series of episodes exploring the CIO's first 30 to 90 days. This year, we thought we would check back in with some of these leaders to see where are they now? Looking back over the last two years, what has worked and what didn't? Today's guest is Andy Harper. Andy is the CIO for Southwest Key Programs out of Austin, Texas. We spoke with Andy early in 2020, just a few months into his tenure. Let's see how things are going. Welcome back to Status Go, Andy. Thanks a lot, Jeff. I'm glad to be back. Really appreciate it. Looking forward to this conversation, man. I know a lot has been going on over the last uh, couple of years. To kick things off, if you don't mind, though, could you give our audience an overview of who Southwest Key Programs is and what you all do? Yes. Southwest Key Programs is the largest immigration sheltering program for, for children in the U.S., so we, we help children as they are leaving very traumatic environments on their journey into the United States uh, into to unifying those children into family and friends. We also have a, a youth and family services division that is really centered within the United States around alternative education programs. Uh, it does counseling services for children, truancy prevention. This, this program is really designed to help kids uh, get back into kind of a productive lifestyle, if you will. Mm-hmm. Well, it sounds like it has to be pretty fulfilling work. I mean, it's it's mission driven. That's what you all do, right? It is. Uh, you know, 15, 16 years ago, uh, we were introduced to a couple of kids that we thought we would be in their life for a very short period of time. This is my family that was uh, now around these these children. Uh, here we are now, all these years later, and these kids call us mom and dad and are very much involved in our lives today. Uh, as I was looking at the mission of this business, short season of life in, a children's, in children's lives, uh, is there a way that we can help to, to get them to something that would be much more fulfilling, much more safe? A lot of these kids are coming from very traumatic environments. So yes, the mission aspect of what we do is very much fulfilling. Well, let's take a look back. We talked two years ago. I know you and I talk all the time, but but we talked on this program two years ago, and you were just within, I think, your first 90 days, maybe, maybe just closing out your first 90 days when we talked. Think about that time and think about what you did in these intervening two years. What, what comes to mind is something that really, really worked well. You know, the, the biggest thing I think that worked well was when I when I got here, I didn't come in with an agenda. All I wanted at the beginning of my tenure was to understand 
what we did as a business, how we impacted the lives of the people that we were serving and who was doing different aspects of that. It was difficult because while I'm learning the business, we, we did enter into a pandemic yep. and, and we had to shift, right? We had to really shift the way that we were focusing the business. So kind of what was normal for a period of time had become something very different. And so we had to really figure a lot of things out then. But the last couple of years have really centered around the relationships that I built when I first got here, understanding who is working on different things, what their objectives are, and then how do we apply technology solutions to drive business activities? Mm -hmm. And what changed because of the pandemic? I assume that some of the processes around working with the kids and the youth and the programs had to change, but your business had to change somewhat as well. There was a lot in our business that had to change. We are, because we serve within buildings, uh, think of a hospital, mm-hmm. it, it wasn't a work from home kind of environment. So there were a lot of things that we had to figure out in a very short period of time because we didn't want to impact uh, employees or, or really the quality of life of those employees. We had to think through technology solutions of getting people to work from home. How do we use loaner laptops? How do we use bring your own device solutions? Our security perspective, our connectivity, We had to do a lot of technology just to get people to work from home. Mm -hmm. We also had to think through things within the building, like social distancing. We have a lot of children within our facilities and those children now also have to socially distance. And so they're no longer in education, like in classrooms where they're able to sit close to each other and really engage in a a teacher setting the way that they normally did. So we we bought three or 4,000 iPads and had to learn how to adjust uh, kids throughout the building to be able to continue their education. And then there were a lot of internal processes that we had to think about as we were bringing people back into the office to keep people safe. Mm-hmm. Such a big environment dealing with a large number of employees. We've got more than 10,000 employees. Uh, really needed to think through the best way to keep them safe, how you screen them into the buildings, and then how you, you ran those processes to ensure safety both of those employees and the children we serve uh, really throughout that cycle. So as you were spending these, those first few months trying to trying to be a new CIO in, in their environment, at the same time deal with a global pandemic, you spent some time building a roadmap of what you wanted to, to do and accomplish over the next six months, 12 months and beyond. Talk about that roadmap process that you went through and how you were able to develop and, and create that and then also roll it out to the organization. Yeah, the the road mapping really was a a result of staying, like deliberately staying active with the business, understanding what they were working on and how we could engage them and their solutions, right? So what what we found was we would learn that a lot of the business would ask questions that would be like HR driven or accommodations driven, but both would be looking for a solution towards something that may have overlapping enterprise activity, um, but they were working really in silos. Those relationships that were built really early, and we cascaded those relationships down to my leadership team, to the staff. Um, We wanted to make sure that we were transparent in the way that we were serving, and that part was really important to us. But we began to to learn that each of the departments that were bringing pains to us, bringing opportunity to us, that we were looking for solutions that would really solve enterprise problems, not necessarily just a departmental problem. So that was big up front. 
to understand that. And it was a little more challenging than, than I think we really expected going into it because a lot of times the departments that we were reaching out to didn't realize that what they were doing was painful. They're used to being in Excel spreadsheets. They're used to duplicate data. They're used to working in a regionalized capacity with multiple people doing the same thing. They don't, they didn't know in many cases that we could put enterprise solutions in place that would bring uh, really cost savings, time savings, efficiency. Like we, they didn't know that a lot of that was even possible. So it was difficult when we started asking what those pains or opportunities were because they didn't even know it themselves. Mm -hmm. A lot of real exploration there to really understand what was going on. Were you also looking at ways to to differentiate Southwest Key uh, in the marketplace? I don't I don't know who your competitors, so to speak, are. I know you don't typically talk about competitors in a nonprofit space, but what were you doing at this same time? You're trying to align the businesses on this new roadmap. How did you bring in innovation? Yeah, there's, you know, the, there's opportunity within the business always to, pr- to improve within the business. But then you look at, in our case, mission-based business opportunity, where we started asking questions around the children that we serve. So we would look at, for instance, you know, we, we you know, you and I may have smartwatch on our, on our wrist that would tell us things, you know, like how far we walk today and things like that. Started to really explore proof of concept opportunity uh, around that, for instance, where mm-hmm. we would look at metrics like biometrics for children that would tell us things like their heart rate, physical activity, their sleeping patterns. And part of our contracts are for children to leave our facilities more healthy, more happy than when they enter them. Keep in mind that they're leaving very traumatic situations, right? And the idea is then to, to provide some sort of care along the path into that unification here in the United States. So we, we would look at things like smartwatches and we could think through, you know, you, you may be able to articulate anxiety by seeing high heart rate with low activity. Mm-hmm. You may find that some people, some children in certain shelters are getting better sleep than they are in other locations. And so we start asking questions around what can we operationalize that would provide better care to the children that are in those facilities. And really you're drawing in a lot of technology opportunity that other industries are doing, hospitals or hospitality, they're already doing some of this, but not necessarily tailored to our environment. Mm -hmm. And so once we start to tailor it to our environment, we start to find ways to differentiate and really advance ourselves beyond what our competitors are doing. And then to use that opportunity to think through ways that we could look for new revenue streams. Mm -hmm. And so we're continuing to look for what do we do well how do we improve on what we do well? And then can you introduce new market opportunity based upon some of that activity? Yeah, yeah. So you're building this roadmap and you're talking in a different language than your IT team was used to hearing from its leadership and probably some of your colleagues within the business. How did you start to uh, communicate these plans again, internally with your team, but then broader throughout the business? Well, throughout the business, we were doing a lot of listening. And when we would engage the business, we would then bring the opportunity back to the team to look for what are the what are the ways that we could provide solutions that would be enterprise across the board and potentially advance the mission. Everything we did, we would try and tie it back to the mission always. 
And then we would put formal roadmaps together where we would visit with the business at their locations and deliver that road mapping to them so that they could see full transparency into both the opportunity that we were hearing, the solutions that we were proposing, but then they could also help us to understand prioritization because we did have the ability to be agile in what we were doing if it would best serve the business in different ways. So we were able to pivot some things while driving larger activity forward if that was necessary as well. It was a lot of listening, but it was a lot of staying in front of both the business and in front of the teams. Yeah, because I know you and I have talked about the concept of coaching and teaching someone to look at a bigger picture, especially in, in IT. We tend to look at a problem and think technology is the solution. And I know you look far broader than that. How have you been able to, uh, two years in, my guess is you brought your team along with that outlook of how to see things beyond just IT. Some of that would be engaging, um, right? The, the team, the leaders of the team to, to do like-minded thinking exercises. Um, you've been really helpful with that. And we, we really tried to think through the business side of what we're doing. Mm-hmm. Even at the staff level, the folks that are doing the work are very familiar with both the technology and the things that they're solving. If someone asks them about connectivity or fixing a computer, and what we've asked them to do is to begin looking for opportunity to serve that would be greater than just what they're seeing from a tech play. And it could be other technology opportunities, but that serving with humility and looking for opportunity within the business has been really important to us because it shifted the mindset away from just plain technology focus to how do we apply a service into that business that could be really any anything. And so we're looking for things that could be cultural, it could be driving new business opportunity, it could just be listening to the way that people communicate and looking for new ways or new opportunity to help them, them grow like within their departments but we started to bring the, the team on the journey so that they would be the ones because they're on the floor with our employees who could identify that most quickly for us. Mm-hmm. And with that, then we would start to fill what is really uh, an innovation or an idea path, right? So there, these ideas would then turn into demand, which could turn into projects and that sort of thing. But it all started with those engagements, I suppose, with the team where we asked them to, to kind of look through the peripherals as opposed to what was right down in front of us with normal tech plays. Mm-hmm. So when we talked in 2020, a couple of things that we talked about, um, I'm just curious to check in on and see where this is. We were talking a lot about marketing IT within the business to spread the good news about, about the technology department. We also touched on branding the IT department. And, and I know back then you were wrestling with or, or contemplating even changing the name of the department. You ended up leaving it the way it is. But looking back, do you feel like you've rebranded the department anyway? Absolutely. Uh, the department was really known to solve technology-centric problems, but it was done in a a localized manner. We now have local relationships with national solutions. That was a big shift for us to move away from localized solutions. 
the department has been able to partner in a way that I think even other departments within our business have not been able to do. And it's because we're really visible and we stay active with the rest of the business. We're in the business. We stay present with them always. We're now looked at as, I, I wouldn't even say partnering with the business, but just as part of the business. Mm-hmm. They genuinely see us as part of their problem solving and solutions uh, that, that they didn't have before. And so while we didn't shift the department name, primarily because that's how people knew how to reach out to us, right? Yeah, yeah. And so we didn't shift that, but we absolutely changed the way that people uh, really engaged with us, understood us, the maturity of, of what we were doing, and wanted to make sure that it became that service-oriented department that that it wasn't really before because it, it, we had a lot of broken solutions, so we've been able to bring a lot of that together. Yeah. Well, and, and I'd say knowing your department and working with you uh, over the last couple of years, I'd say that's exactly right. Your department is no longer seen as just an order taker. They're there to help solve uh, real problems. And I think that's a, a testament to what you've been able to do in building that organization. That leads me to this question. When you think of the role of the CIO, what is the role of the CIO? What are the things that you think are important for a CIO to do and to work on? I think if you're in the CIO seat that you have a natural skill, a natural talent in technology, obviously that is required to, to lead your team with credibility. But the CIO operates, I think, different than a lot of the other executive seats. If I think through finance, legal, HR, operations, there's a lot of the different areas of the business that really need to know their area of the business and they're able to impact. You know, if you're an HR officer, certainly people operations. If you're the chief legal officer, how do you impact things that are, are wise uh, to, to reduce risk and things of that nature? The CIO really needs to know how the business is operating. For me, I had to spend time with our clinicians, with the medical team, with case managers, with the cafeteria. I had to figure out what HR and legal were doing or how HR is split to learning and development and accommodations, benefits. Each of those different departments are doing different things for the business that are important to the business. And the CIO really needs to know all of it and pretty intimately. And while we're not leading that space, if we don't know it well, we can't solution well. And that was one of the biggest things that, you know, not just me building those relationships, but taking the team, the leadership team on that same journey was really pivotal for us to to better understand what the business was doing, not just operationally, but does it best serve the mission? And so when different departments would come to us, like with a vaccination mandate, right? We had an HR department that said we need vaccines. We had an accommodations department that said, well, you may have an exemption. And the data was at at one point separate, right? They're both asking for similar opportunity to be solved. And as we began to look at it, we thought really at the end of the day, if you don't meet the requirement, we really can't schedule you into the building. And so it's, it's being able to see beyond just the request. But if you understand genuinely what the business is looking for, not just what or how, but why are you providing solutions? You can begin to provide things that are, are providing greater value to that business. Yeah. Well, and I know you all just finished a, a major 
acquisition, so merger and acquisition, towards the end of 2021. How did that go? You added a big chunk of business in. How'd that overall project go? Because uh, I know we've got a lot of listeners out there that are involved in M&A work and would just love your thoughts on what went well, what maybe you'd do differently the next time. It was a tremendous opportunity for the business. Um, and there were a lot of lessons learned that came through it. In our, in our scenario, we, we had less than two months to do an enormous acquisition that would normally take you know, probably a year. Uh, so that compressed timeline was very difficult for us because we, we had to do a lot of planning activity with very short intervals and then execute very, very quickly on it. That led us to think through kind of what needed to get done versus what we wanted to get done. We weren't going to do everything before we went live. We couldn't do everything before we went live. And so we had to prioritize contracts and connectivity and things of that nature. Also, I had to think through the way that the business was using things like computers because we couldn't re-image you know, thousands of computers overnight. And we had to stagger in because the old business had to operate before we could run the new business, right? Yeah, yeah. So there was a lot of planning that went into that. There was a lot of people that we brought in, multiple project managers to, 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 to manage different aspects of it. And then we rolled that stuff up. But really paying attention to what the business needs were, knowing that we still had to intake and discharge children. So what were the technologies that we needed to do that? How do you provide clinical services? Things of that nature that we knew were just critical must-haves versus the we would like to do this sort of thing. So we really split those activities into those two different categories and attacked it very, you know, kind of with a methodical approach, if you will, to, to the business side of it. Mm-hmm. I Again, I think that's a testament to the team that you have that in two months you were able to pull that off with, with such, a, such a, a large endeavor and pull it off pretty well without a lot of issues. I mean, I, I think that was awesome. Really did. And really the credit is with the team. They really worked at all hours of the day. Uh, when we went live with the new building, uh, with the new facilities, we went live at, at midnight. We took over you know, at the beginning of one day and we had mm-hmm. an enormous number of people that worked really around the clock with no boundaries whatsoever at all to pull this thing off. They were, they were just genuinely into what we were doing and, and dedicated to the mission and, and solving any problem that came up with the, the level of ownership was just something I haven't seen uh, in a long time professionally. It was, it was truly a blessing to watch how, how dedicated people were and, and how they got through it. That's excellent. Now, I want you to kind of look back over the last two years uh, that you've been with Southwest Key now. What are a couple of things that you're most proud of? We don't talk a lot about what things make us proud, right? But but I w- I'd like to know what couple of things have made you most proud over the last two years? Um, the team that we've got has been very collaborative, but really open to uh, getting vulnerable and personal, right? So we will meet uh, for all hands meetings, many times we will do uh, themed happy hours or themed dinners. We'll meet later in the day because we're decentralized, so it's difficult to get everybody to get together at once. But bringing people together in a way that is serving as opposed to just solving, I think, has been really rewarding for me. So that's been a big piece. The other thing is that the team has really begun to think through that approach that we were talking through earlier, like what does the business really need? And as a result, we're not just thinking through technology solutions, but we're really beginning to think through transformation. 
how does the business operate differently in the future that will set us aside in the market space? It will really help us to, to better serve the kids in care. Those things have been really probably the most rewarding through this, through this process over the last couple of years. Yeah. Now, if, if you don't mind my asking, and you don't have to answer this if you don't want to, but what are a couple of things that you did that you're most proud of? Oh, boy. You're, you might have to give me a minute on this one, Jeff. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I tried to pay as much attention to my team needs as possible. When, when I began to look at what the team was doing, we, we kind of took an approach of, do we have the right people in the right seats on the bus? Yep. And how do we shift people around? But then how do we, we were growing. We, we continued to grow from a team of 25 or 30 two years ago to about 70 or 75 now. And as we were growing, we began looking for, for people who would serve with humility, that would align with our mission, and, and that would lead uh, others, right? They would genuinely lead with a heart that was designed around our mission. Mm-hmm. It was important to find those people because we, we had found people that were really strong in technology but lacked the same, I'll say, commitment to our mission. And that didn't align well with us. So to, to really put a focus on, on the service side of what we were doing and who we were hiring, where we put people, because there were a lot of shifts within the team itself, mm-hmm. uh, I, I really felt good about some of those, those shifts that we did because it did a lot of lifting exercises, I think, to build the team in a way that was very productive. Yeah, yeah. I think that's great. What what comes to mind as you were describing that, right, is the CIO as orchestra conductor. Yeah. Trying to get the right people in the right seats, uh, have them bring their individual skills for the overall concert. I think that's a, a great image for that. So let's look at the opposite. Thinking back over the last two years, use a golf metaphor. Where do you want a mulligan? Where do you want to do over? Looking through the way that we were building the team, we recognized that there were changes that were necessary in order to get people into the right seat. Yeah. yeah. And sometimes we, we think, I think we, we probably took longer than we should have to evaluate the skills, the talent of where people were and really the heart of service within some specific roles. There were people, I think, that were really, really good at operating kind of on the the, the people side of our, our, our business, but not necessarily on some of the tech side. And we needed to be able to shift people. And I don't think we reacted as quickly as we could. I don't think it was fair to our team. I don't think it was fair to those individuals. And I'm not sure that it was entirely fair to the business itself. So I think we took a little longer to make some of those changes than we probably should have. Okay. All right. Fair, fair enough. And as we've been talking, it's been a very successful two years. So even even that's not to say that, uh, you know, there's room for improvement and, and things that could be done differently. And Andy, you know, here on Status Go, we love to end with a very, very strong call to action, a very specific, explicit call to action. So as you think about our listeners, uh, fellow CIOs, uh, senior IT leaders from across the United States, what's one or two things that you would advise them to do? because they listen to our conversation today? Oh, first would be to listen well within your business, to really genuinely understand both what the departments are doing and the way that they're serving, as well as the mission of the business. How do they align? 
that was really critical to think through true transformation opportunity for us with technology. As we looked at legacy technology and what do we want to do in the future, so there's transformation both within product and process, but also, you know, how do we use AI and machine learning and how do we really begin to do things that really affect the way we do business started with listening and really understanding. So I would say absolutely start there, especially if you are a new CIO that has grown through those technology ranks, that part's very important. And then the relational side of what I, I was doing really when I got here was all about who's who's doing what and not just that i knew who the legal officer was or the hr officer was but that i really got to know even the the next levels down of leaders in the business and not just who or what they were doing but why they were doing it how were their heartstrings attached to what we were doing because it was those heartstrings that really allowed us to align on the way we provided solutions we we weren't always giving people exactly what they asked for because when we began to explore what they were asking for, we had better solutions. We had more opportunity in front of us that delivered greater results to the business. And understanding that why was really important, the relational aspect of it and genuinely listening to the business. Yeah. And of course, really getting to know the team, I think on an intimate level. I remember a leader a long time ago telling me that, you know, we can't be best friends with those that we work with or maybe not those that we lead. But I think that we can be vulnerable and that we can really get to know people in an intimate way that allows us to connect with them. And that's been really important to have those connections within my team because those people are fully bought in to what we're doing, right? They're part of the process to build the process and that's made all the difference in the world. Yeah. I love those three because they're so, they're so intertwined. Listening well building relationships and understanding the why, and then getting to know your team. Absolutely. As a leader, if you can nail those three, you're going to be pretty successful, I think. Don't you? I really do. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Andy, this has been fantastic. As usual, when you and I start uh, chatting, the time just flies by. Uh, I want to thank you so much for carving out time again to be on Status Go. We really appreciate it. Thanks for the opportunity, Jeff. To our listeners, if you want to learn more or if you have questions, visit intervision.com. The show notes will provide links and contact information. For Andy Harper, this is Jeff Tun. Thank you very much for listening. You've been listening to the Status Go podcast. You can subscribe on iTunes or get more information at intervision.com. If you'd like to contribute to the conversation, find InterVision on Facebook, LinkedIn, or Twitter. Thank you for listening. Until next time.